Welcome to Life Together, a podcast for Gresham Bible Church, where we exist to glorify God in being disciples who make disciples of all people through the transforming power of the gospel. This is the first episode of season four on the podcast. For this season, you'll hear conversations about our church's distinctives, and there'll also be episodes with other GBC members and guests. In all of it, we'll be considering why and how we're to do life together as a church in our context through the transforming power of the gospel. So we hope you find this next season of the podcast helpful in having our lives be shaped and animated by the truth and grace of Jesus Christ to have a Romans 116 kind of life together as a church in our time and place to not be ashamed of the gospel together because it truly is the power of God for all who believe. To help us kick off this new season, Jordan and I sit down with Virgil Brown. Virgil is the founding pastor of GBC and is now the lead pastor of Redemption Church in Portland. You'll hear Virgil share his encouragement to GBC, why he values expositional preaching, and what he sees as challenges and opportunities for the local church in our context. I'd encourage you to be praying for Virgil, his family, and for redemption. It was a joy to sit down with my brother and hear his heart for faithful gospel ministry. I trust this conversation will encourage you as well as we hear from the founding pastor of our church and reflect on God's faithfulness as we trust and follow him. Gresham Bible Church on this week's podcast. We have a very, very special guest. Been looking forward to this for a while. Gresham Bible Church's founding lead pastor, Virgil Brown. So GBC, it's good to be with you. Mike, good to be with you. Yes. Yeah. yeah so good to be here. So we are here at Redemption Church, uh, closer into Portland. Uh, we're Virgil pastors and just wanted to have a conversation uh, for our church to be encouraged by our brother, again, by the founding pastor of Gresham Bible Church. Uh, we're going to explore a few different questions together and hopefully by the end of our time, for those that don't know Virgil, you get to know him more and also just be blessed uh, by our brother and his pastoral wisdom um, on a few different things. So why don't we just jump in? Virgil, for, for those that don't know you, why don't you just paint the picture for us a little bit, who you are, your story, all that kind of fun stuff. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So um, Virgil Brown, I originally am from the South. My father was in the Navy. And so I was born in Tennessee and then lived in Georgia for 10 years, North Carolina for five years. And then when I was in high school, my dad took a job in Seattle and we left North Carolina and moved to Federal Way, Washington. And I did high school there, college on the east side of Seattle at Northwest University. I met my wife there, uh, developed a passion for church planting during that time. Those were really formative years for me. Got introduced to expositional preaching during that time as well. Awesome. And so lots of things were being shaped in my life. It was a really sweet season. Of course, meeting Kelsey was great as well. Um, we got married and moved to Portland for further training, seminary training. I started at Multnomah University at their seminary in their intercultural studies program. I had a desire to want to be a part of a multi-ethnic church. And I thought that program will aid me in that pursuit. Yeah. And 
while I was in seminary, I was invited to be a part of a young married Bible study group. And there are members of GBC still who were a part <laughs> of that group. And they were a real encouragement to me. Interest in that group grew. I was an intern also at Cornerstone Church in Gresham, and their elders were very encouraging. They knew about my desire, my plans to be a church planter. And so they encouraged me to plant uh, with their prayerful support and their financial support and the support of that Bible study group. We took a huge step of faith, a bold step of faith. And in April, April 8th of 2007, opened Gresham Bible. Awesome. Awesome. And how long were you at Gresham Bible Church? The privilege of being the pastor of Gresham Bible Church for 12 years. Yeah. Uh, we left at the end of May in 2019. So from 2007 to uh, 2019, I was a pastor. Yeah. Man, I just want to insert right here. You've been a huge blessing to me and my family, my dear brother, pastor. You've poured into me ministry-wise, personally, and uh, yeah, just so thankful for you. And I'm having an aha moment right now. You're wearing a Seahawks moment, yes. or Seahawks hat, as yeah. we record. When my family and I first came to GBC, the first Sunday after kind of a tough church experience, you mentioned something about the Seahawks. And you were already expositionally preaching. And I leaned <laughs> over to Carrie and I was like, this is the place for us. And oh, we've yeah. been at GBC ever since. So I love where the Seahawks at right now. Yes. Yeah, go Hawks. That's right. That's yeah. right. So good. Um, all right. How about for those that know you well, even, what is one thing someone would be surprised to know about you? Kind of a moment here. We like to ask that question of guests on the podcast. Yeah, I think the thing that people are most surprised to hear about me is that I am more into interior design than my <laughs> wife. I choose the colors for walls. I usually am the one picking out the furniture. I also uh, really like flowers. So I grow flowers <laughs> and for birthdays and anniversaries, Kelsey buys me flowers. That's awesome. Yeah, I don't buy her cool. flowers. So it's like this switch in people's in people's minds that they have to make. Plus, yeah. you know, I'm literally twice her size. So <laughs> to see her handing me flowers is, is quite comical. I love everything about that. And you're really good at it. You do. You have a good eye for that stuff. Yeah, thank yeah. you, man. Yeah. 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 Oh, that's great. All right. How about, um, don't want to make this like a box to check, but I think it's always important before we dive into some specifics, just to even briefly hear your testimony of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, like paint the picture for us there. How did you become a Christian? Yeah, I, I was fortunate enough to grow up in a home with parents who cherished the gospel and feared the Lord and took our family to church faithfully. Uh, so I had good gospel access in my, in my life. What that led to for me, though, wasn't initially genuine faith. It was more of a self-righteousness, mm. uh, me believing that I was on good terms with Jesus and I was one of his best disciples in my mm. mind as a kid. That's how I thought about myself because I knew the Bible well. I was a good kid who didn't get into trouble. So I thought I was already a Christian and that my eternal destiny was sealed. I was going to spend eternity with Christ. When I was 10 years old, I spent the summer, a good portion of the summer at my grandparents' house in Virginia and their church was having a VBS. And so they signed us up to go to VBS. I went and every night of that VBS, there were good Bible lessons and I was checking all the boxes, answering all the right questions. The final night of that VBS, there's a really strong message about eternal judgment mm. and about hell specifically. 
Um, and I had heard about that, you know, and as a kid, but that night, um, the Lord allowed me to feel the fear of judgment. And I was confronted with the question, am I good enough? Mm-hmm. And how do you know if you're good enough? Uh, and it was terrifying for me. I ended up not sleeping and I woke my mother up. Uh, this is like a couple days later. So I was having terrible sleep. Uh, and I woke my mom up and I was in tears and I said, mom, I'm really concerned that I'm not going to go to heaven. And she told me the gospel and I'd heard Mm -hmm. it before, but I had faith to hear it that night. Mm -hmm. And so instead of thinking that I was a good person and because I was a good person, I was good with God. I believe, no, I'm actually a bad person and I need Mm -hmm. forgiveness and I need the salvation that Jesus offers. So at 10 years old, God saved me. I was baptized at 13, three years later. And by God's grace, um, through middle school and high school, I walked with the Lord Mm. and I wasn't perfect. Uh, We all stumble in many ways, but um, I avoided much of the the drama and the trauma that could could have marked Mm -hmm. my life if I wasn't walking with Jesus. Wow. God is kind. Mm-hmm. God is kind. How about um, when did you start to feel the pull towards full-time ministry, right? Being a pastor. I'd love to hear you share a little bit about that too. Yeah. So in high school, I became more vocal about my faith, much more confident to live out my faith before my peers. And I got to see teammates of mine believe the gospel. I got to see classmates trust in Jesus Christ and bring a number of people with me to church. And I was really content doing that. So Mm -hmm. I thought, this is the way I want to live my life. I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to help serve other people. And I'll be an engineer. So Hmm. in my mind, I was going to college to study engineering and that I was going to be a faithful brother in the church, maybe an elder in the church one day, but never a pastor. Um, Now, people in my church took notice of what the Lord was doing in my life. So I would get these nudges into leadership occasionally, just in different ways in the local church. Um, And some of my church leaders, elders and deacons, started really speaking into my life and telling Mm -hmm. me, Virgil, we think there's more here than just you being a good Christian and being evangelistic. We think you should pray about being a pastor. And then my, my pastor at the time went as far as to say, you're going to be a pastor. Wow. So you really spoke that over me and I rejected all of that. Hmm. I wanted nothing to do with it. Hmm. One, I thought I would never be good enough. And I literally made a list in prayer, talking to God about all the people who would do a better job of being a pastor <laughs> than I would be. Yeah. And I wrestled with that for quite some time. Um, really determined not to be a pastor because Mm. God deserves better. Um, And then I had a couple of really hard things happen in my life. One, there was this girl I was dating and it was really serious. It was too serious for a 19 year old. Um, But we thought we were going to get married and she dumped me. Mm. Biggest mistake of her life. That's right. (laughs) Uh, And it was, it was a heartbreaking experience for me, really humbling. Mm. Um, I also suffered a significant knee injury. I was playing basketball for my college and basketball. And I would say that relationship were both idols in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, And both those things were taken away. Um, And so I found myself just broken, humble, 
praying, talking to God, and for the first time in my life, saying to the Lord with all sincerity, God, I'm yours. Hmm. Wow. I'll do whatever you want me to do. And I can still remember where I was exactly when that happened. And so after that, I became much more open to what the Lord's plans would be for my life. And um, eventually that led me to discerning that I was going to be a pastor and that I should Mm -hmm. pursue it. So instead of majoring in engineering, I decided to study pastoral ministries. Wow. So you you transferred from Northwestern to Multnomah and did your bachelor's there to do pastoring or? No, I did my bachelor's degree at Northwest University still did. Okay. in Kirkland, Washington. Okay. Yeah. Right. Gotcha. I, this is going to sound trite. I'm glad you got injured, brother. Yeah. <laughs> for real. Yeah. I'm, I'm glad for the Lord's good, gracious work in your life and that you answered that call. Amen. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you look yes. back at those bitter providences. And well you can said. you can say thank you Jesus Amen. Uh, for that trial. Hmm. Amen. Yeah. Amen to that. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How about we're going to transition a few things I'd love to just hear you speak to um, and just even driving over here to have our conversation, just thinking about, man, I hope this conversation blesses Gresham Bible Church. And I wanted to give you a chance. I don't want this to sound like overly dramatic, but brother, you're the founding pastor of GBC. I'm so thankful for you. Um, I'm honored to now serve in that role myself. Josh Howeth was honored in that role. Mm -hmm. I just wanted to give you an opportunity to like, uh, it's not a sermon, but maybe like just preach, encourage a little bit, Gresham Bible Church, what would you have to say? And I'll even open the door. We say we're a transparent church, so here we go. Even the church can listen in to your counsel, encouragement, charge to me. I just want to take advantage of this moment and feel like you could strengthen the saints of Gresham Bible Church to Mm -hmm. hear from you. So what encouragement, counsel would you give to the church and also to me? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it sounds and, like an Oprah episode, by the way. Yeah. You'd ask it that way. Sorry, that sounded cheesy, but you know where my heart is. Yeah. Oh, it didn't sound cheesy at all. Yeah. Okay. I was just thinking, Mike, this morning while I was getting ready for the day about the the need for faithful gospel witness in the Portland metro area. Uh, the need for pastors and members of local churches to really drop an anchor to put down deep roots and to be committed to being a representation of Jesus Christ where God has placed them for a very long time. Uh, One of the things that I've observed, and I've been a pastor for 15 years, almost 16 years now, is how long evangelism takes Mm. and how long spiritual growth takes. Um, And when my friends ask me about how things are going with my church plant now and how things went with Gresham Bible, uh, one of the things I'll tell them is in an area like ours where there are so few Christians and not enough healthy churches, um, the the cultivating work that needs to happen in our society, um, because that work isn't being done by a larger group of Christians and a larger group of healthy churches, uh, the ministry work that we want to do just takes longer. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in other settings, people are able to benefit from the good work of those who went before them. Mm-hmm. And so if you talk to pastors in Texas or in Georgia or, or in South Carolina, if they're honest, they'll tell you that. 
Mm-hmm. They'll, they'll say, I'm reaping the benefits of Christians who labored for decades before my church ever got started. Mm-hmm. Well, I think one, one way for Gresham Bible Church to think about its ministry is not just what God is doing in your life now and through your lives now, but what the fruit of your work can be way down the road. Amen. So in the city of Gresham, years and years from now, after all of these members who are listening to this podcast are with the Lord, <laughs> um, what remains in Gresham will be seeds that have grown. Mm-hmm. Um, a witness of Jesus Christ that is having an ongoing impact in people's lives. Uh, I like to think about what GBC can be 40 years from now when the new family is moving into Gresham and looking for a church. Yes. When their kids need to be discipled. So I guess my my message to Gresham Bible Church is persevere, mm-hmm. be hopeful, and play the long game. Amen. Yeah. Amen, brother. Uh, I love that you're preaching that to yourself here at Redemption to play the long game, brother. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And Mike, for you, uh, hold on to the gospel, brother. Yes. Hold on to the gospel. I know that you're not ashamed of the gospel. Mm-hmm. It's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen. And what we see happening I'm going to be specific about the Portland metro area. You could look at other places around the country too, but in Portland, drift occurring mm-hmm. theologically. And uh, when I think about you know, how to pray for you, how to best pray for you and other pastors, I think the number one thing I'm praying for, doctrinal faithfulness. Man, yes. That, that men would be, continue to be, who are faithful, unswerving in their devotion to Jesus Christ, bold to proclaim everything revealed in God's word and somewhat fearless in the face of a culture that can be hostile toward the gospel. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yes. Thank you for praying that, uh, for me, for Gresham Bible church, praying that for you. Mm -hmm. Um, thank you for that. That actually kind of tees up something I just wanted to talk about as well. So what comes to mind is Colossians one twenty three, mm-hmm. prayers to remain stable and steadfast, not shifting your hope from the gospel. Amen to that prayer. How about unpack that for us a little bit? Like where are the front lines for that in your life and ministry? Where are you tempted to drift or assume the gospel? You're a pastor, you know, the right things mm-hmm. to say. And though, like, what does that look like in your life? How would you kind of help us understand that um, to help people picture? Yeah. In my life as a Christian, I can have gospel drift and here's sometimes what it looks like. So what is, how does that battle look like for you in your life? Where are you tempted to, where do you find yourself maybe more than others in certain areas tempted to, to drift from the gospel? I think that temptation is most pronounced in my life as it relates to the fear of man. Hmm. And the fear of man shows up as people pleasing, mm-hmm. um, wanting to win others' approval, especially as you're seeking to grow a church. So um, I think a temptation for a church planner and for myself specifically is wanting to be liked, hmm. wanting to be accepted. Um, and, you know, that could look like. Uh, being quieter about uh, convictions and biblical positions, Mm -hmm. Um, kind of cloaking those things behind niceness 
um, or, um, you know, personally having certain views, but then publicly not, not stating what those mm. are. Gotcha. Uh, so I'll give you an example of this. We have an intro to Redemption Lunch, which is very similar to an intro to GBC. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Crazy how that happens. I know, yeah. man. Uh, so um, we have these lunches in our church, and I know ahead of time at what point I'm going to turn people off mm. during this lunch. <laughs> yeah. And can I just uh, say real quick, we had ours on Sunday and I yeah. was thinking about you because that question situation came up like, oh, yeah, Virgil and I have talked about that's this. Right, yeah, that's okay. exactly yeah. right. So when when it comes to, uh, for me, especially here, issues of gender and sexuality, mm-hmm. I know I'm about to lose half the room. Wow. So if there's 10 people in this intro to redemption lunch, I'll never see half of them again. Mm. And the others, I still have work to do. Yeah. I got to work yeah. on them still. We are unapologetically complementarian, mm-hmm. unapologetically committed to what the Bible teaches about gender and sexuality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for people who are coming into our church, Redemption Church is not drawing a lot of churched people. Uh, so people coming into our church, it could be the first time they've actually heard a human being say the things that I say. Mm-hmm. And it can be a shock to the system, yeah. offensive. There are people who literally stand up and walk away. Wow. Wow. So I have to pray beforehand, even though I'm committed to these things personally, and say, God, give me boldness to look people in the eye and tell them the truth. Mm -hmm. Uh, It can be life-saving. So Lord, help me to do that and to not be ashamed of Christ. Yeah, amen. You're um, a strong, gracious leader, pastor, Mm -hmm. and I appreciate your transparency to share that you have to pray that too, mm-hmm. right? The fear of man stuff and not shift. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, that's a battle for, for all of us mm-hmm. in that, uh, especially just picturing you here closer to the heart of Portland saying mm-hmm. those things, yeah. uh, still a challenge for us in Gresham, right? But sure. probably not to the same degree uh, yeah. as that. So, yeah. Well, How about for you pastorally, uh, what have been the joys, what have been some challenges, over the last one to three years. I know I'm opening up a box and mm. asking that as we're just rearview mirror COVID times, <laughs> um, racial tensions, election stuff, but I just think it's important. We're honest and talk about things. So like, what are some of the joys you've experienced? What have been some of the challenges in, in whatever you feel comfortable sharing? Yeah. I think one, one real joy for me, uh, is the, the kind of people, the diversity of people, that the Lord is bringing into our church. So many were unchurched. Um, Some had never been inside a church building before. Mm -hmm. Others had never heard the gospel. So having the opportunity to serve them, uh, to see some of them believe Mm -hmm. and then to be baptized and now mobilized in ministry is just amazing. Oh, man. Uh, one stat I want to share with you that still blows my mind is we have four former drug dealers in membership in our church. Wow. Wow. Uh, if you had told me, hey, you know, Virgil, these are the kind of people the Lord's going to send your way, I would have said no. Yeah. <laughs> hey, that's crazy. Um, but uh, the Lord is doing great work in people's lives mm-hmm. and we get to watch them grow. And now, now I've got a guy who's going to one day be a deacon in this church who, uh, you know, 
did all the things, was a mm-hmm. gangbanger, spent time in prison, and now he's really seriously committed to the Lord. It's just a great Praise God. story. Oh, so those are kind of spectacular stories, but we got sure. four of them. That's, so like, this is wild. Yeah. Um, so I love that. Um, but I don't think that's more significant than the kid who grew up in a Christian home. Yeah. Who was full of self-righteousness and then came to understand a healthy fear of the Lord. Yes. Good. Yeah. Well said. Yep. Amen to that. Amen to that. Um, man, God is good. I know there's things around us that are particularly challenging and can be discouraging, especially pastorally, uh, in and around the Portland area, but, uh, God's on the move. Yeah. Um, gospel's real. Uh, I love that you just shared that. Yeah. Yeah. And you wanted to know about challenges, kind of hardships. Yeah, please. I'd say, um, so Portland has gone through quite a bit of change my church and other churches as well. Uh, one of the things that has been hard for churches in Portland is Christians just leaving the area altogether. Yeah, sure. And it's hard to find fault with some of these young families who decide to move on Mm -hmm. elsewhere. Some are priced out. Others, um, find it too difficult to raise their kids in this environment. Mm -hmm. Uh, so we have, we have some Christians like who I would love to be doing ministry with who aren't here anymore. Yeah. And they're not easily replaced. So those solid, stable, Christ following people that someone else has already discipled, <laughs> they're, yeah. they're gold for me. <laughs> uh, and when they leave, mm. I can just do the calculus on how long it'll take me to grow someone up to the level of where they right. were. Yeah. yeah. Um, so requires patience on my part. I know there's a, a gospel opportunity in that for me, discipleship wise. Uh, but that's hard. Yeah. 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 Have those come in waves? Like, have there been weeks where you get notice or month, there's two or three of them and you're just discouraged? Yeah. I, I just opened an email today with a lady mm-hmm. saying, Hey, by the way, Oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to ask. Okay. Yeah, we're okay. Gonna be, uh, okay. Yeah. But that's okay. okay. Um, it, yeah, just occasional. Mm-hmm. And, um, that's, that's part of gospel ministry. I think it's also part that attrition is part of a more urban context where there's just more coming and going. Sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so I think our rate of attrition is probably lower than many other churches. I, I expected more turnover mm-hmm. than what we've experienced, mm-hmm. but even the little that we've had, it's been difficult. Yeah. 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 Okay. How about let's lean into that just a little bit. So we're in and around the Portland, Oregon area. There's different perceptions, assumptions around that. I loved your encouragement a few minutes ago, like to play the long game, right? Um, the gospel will do its work in this area, no matter what this area is, but what other kind of things are you to find yourself thinking about having conversations with other local pastors to help encourage us, uh, what is the Lord doing in this area as far as we can discern it? And what encouragements would you give to those Christians that do feel maybe overly discouraged or wow, this soil here is so hard. Like what is giving you hope? What are those opportunities and what are the challenges kind of in our context that we just need to, you know, um, speak about? Yeah. 
I think one thing that we can forget that's good to remember is that as Christians in a context like Portland, we get to be a part of the Lord's ministry of mercy. Hmm. God, in his mercy, has sent Christians into places like this to preach the beautiful gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so we get to be a part of that. Uh, the other thing I think about from time to time, and this is something that I heard from John Piper uh, during George Floyd, when he wrote an amazing prayer for Minneapolis, and he compared that city to Nineveh. Hmm. And he said, if there's hope for Nineveh, then there's hope for my city. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's a good word. And so that's really stuck with me, Yeah, especially through some of the dark days here in Portland. If there's hope for Nineveh, if in God's grace, he can bring salvation to wicked Assyrians who've done awful things mm -hmm. and he has a plan for them, then God can do the same thing among us. So I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful because of God's mercy. I'm also hopeful because, you know, the Lord allows us to see some good fruit. And I'm, I'm happy for, even though the growth in a lot of churches in Portland is not like exponential, mm -hmm. um, it's still happening. Mm -hmm. Yes, it is. Amen. To uh, that. Sometimes just saying we're still here is a win. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Yes. Uh, we're, I'm encouraged by that. I'm also encouraged by the uh, spirit of collaboration among pastors in the Portland metro area. I think part of being such a minority, when I say minority, I don't know if you read the Palau Association Evangelistic Report, less than 5% of people in the metro area are in church on a Sunday. So, Less than 5%. That's crazy. Less than 5%. Yeah. So we feel the need. We feel the void. We know there are church deserts around the metro area. Um, and so we work together. And that collaboration is something also that I think is encouraging. I would mm -hmm. echo that. I've been so encouraged the past two or three years. I know it's a difficult time. I get all of those things, experience some of those things, but it is real. The collaboration between other churches uh, for the sake of advancing the gospel mm -hmm. um, is beautiful. Mm -hmm. It adorns the gospel. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. I, I just think it's important to have these kind of conversations to acknowledge what is, and there's some real challenges mm -hmm. here. And acknowledge that um, God is king mm -hmm. and the gospel is on the move uh, and to give the Lord glory from that, too. I don't know. It bothers me when I hear so many Christians kind of a woe instead mm -hmm. of um, to what you're calling us to uh, long obedience in the same direction, mm -hmm. faithful presence, playing mm -hmm. the long game. Um, yeah. Gospel mm -hmm. will do its work. Yeah, so, that's yeah, right. Yeah. How about let's move to something that I always love hearing you speak to, mm. uh, Virgil. Why are you for expositional preaching? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So expositional, the word expository or expositional comes from the word expose. The aim of expositional preaching is to expose the meaning of the text. The original meaning to that audience is the meaning that we want to contextualize for our own lives and for the audience that we're preaching to today. I'm committed to expositional preaching because I believe the Bible is the word of God. Amen. And that the principles of the Bible, its commands, its teaching, its ethical, its ethical teaching, um, those things are timeless and they are universal. Mm -hmm. So timeless meaning they're true for all time uh, throughout every generation. They apply. They're relevant. Universal meaning they're for all people everywhere. So uh, the way Romans 8 speaks to me 
today in 2023. A black man in Portland is the same way it speaks to um, a 70 year old woman in Indonesia. Hmm. Uh, and it's the same way it spoke to, um, you know, um, a white guy who lived in 1419. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's a book uh, that is supernatural and it gives life. Yeah, amen. Yeah. Amen. All right. I always enjoy hearing you talk about expositional preaching. Yeah. You're like body countenance changes. Yeah, yeah, You're yeah. like, all right, let's talk about it. It's important. Yeah. So, yeah. How about in the life of the local church? What would you say maybe to a new pastor, church planning brother? What are some of the challenges around expositional preaching? Um, maybe high level, maybe even in our context for the preacher himself or for the listener? Yeah, I'd say I'll start with the listener. So we have a number of people in our church now who were unchurched, and even the people who came from another church were not already exposed to expositional preaching. Sure. There's a discipline that's required to expositional preaching that is not required to listen to other forms of communication. Mm -hmm. uh, so communication now comes quick and fast. It's, uh, it's not very heady. Um, you don't have to work hard uh, to understand it. With expositional preaching, you need to be an active listener. Mm -hmm. You need to quiet your mind and quiet your heart and listen carefully. Um, so that's an exercise and that's feedback that people have given me. <laughs> I remember preaching a sermon and, and having a guy come up to me and say, Virgil, I enjoy your preaching. I got to tell you, it's work. Wow. <laughs> it is work to listen to you. Yeah. And maybe I can grow to make things more accessible and I need to grow and I need to do a better job of that to be clear and make things more accessible, more relevant. Uh, but at the same time, never give up on mm -hmm. uh, working hard in the text to show people where my points are coming from. Yes. To yes. help them understand God's word better. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it definitely pushes against our norms and appetites in terms of just quick hit information. What's the upshot? All mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Attention span even. But yeah, it's important. Yeah. yeah. And for the preacher, I'd say, hey, man, the Lord has done the work. Um, so it helps me to be an expositional preacher to always be in the rhythm of declaring what the Lord says to his people. Um so that they know I'm never pushing an agenda. I'm not trying to wedge this idea in and persuade them to think one way about something because I think that's right. Uh, but elevating God's word so that they know we're all standing under the authority of the scripture. Yeah. yeah amen. Good word. Amen to that. Yeah. There's so many more things we could talk about, uh, but I just wanted to give you a chance to share with Gresham Bible Church, like how can our church be committed to be praying for you, for your family, for God's work here at Redemption Church? How can we be praying for you? First, I want to say thank you for praying for me, brother. Yeah. There have been days or weeks when I've gone through the week, had a busy week, a full week, or had a hard week, and... I'll uh, stand up and preach and do everything I need to do. And I'll think to myself, somebody somewhere prayed for me. Mm -hmm. That's the only explanation for the week or for the day. Mm -hmm. So thank you for praying. Um, in your continued prayers for me, I'd say, I pray that my family would continue um, 
to be shaped by the experience of leaving wonderful people behind, Mm -hmm. walking my faith and starting a new church and then building relationships with all new people. Yeah. So starting over again is hard. I would say at this point, um, I think we've done it. I think that my kids especially have made the transition pretty well. Um, but just praying that within making that transition, um, this experience would be a spiritually significant, especially for my older two kids who have been given a front row seat to watching mom and dad walk by faith, yep. not know a lot of things, yeah. bear a lot of uncertainty, and to see God be faithful and provide what's needed. Um, I'm hoping that stays with them for the rest of their life. Yeah. For Kelsey and I, the stress, I mean, the stress is real and there's spiritual warfare also. So for spiritual protection, um, that's always appreciated. Okay. For Redemption Church, um, you can pray for our leadership development. We had a fun conversation as elders on last Thursday talking about what does Paul mean by new convert Hmm. when thinking about future elders? How new is too new? (laughs) That's the question. That's fun. I I think there's a spectrum when you read 1 Timothy 3 of those qualifications. Some guys are going to be like able to teach, for example, what does that mean? Yeah. Oh, I mean, it could be able to teach in a seminary. It could be I'm able to defend the statement of faith of my of my church and to disciple people through God's word. So there's a spectrum on those qualifications, and we're working toward consensus to see what that looks like. Because mm, yeah. if the standard is as high as the current elders, we're not going to be adding new elders anytime soon. <laughs> uh, so uh, let's kind of wrap our heads around what Titus went through when yeah. Paul told him, put elders in all these churches, new churches. Yeah. Right. This is a great conversation. That is. Yeah. That, yeah. Wow. That, that's a fun one. So pray, pray for us about that. Um, it feels a little risky, but it's yeah. good for us. You know, I, I came from GBC and then had a short Senate at Henson. My current elders were at Henson for a long time. So we had these just really mature men mm-hmm. um, who got to serve as elders. And now we're we're very much a quintessential church plant. Mm-hmm. And um, we can't wait forever yeah. to yeah. put people into leadership. Yeah. yeah. Don't you think it's not by accident that the Lord has given us some sort of spectrum and contextualization mm-hmm. there for the sake of his church and advancing the gospel? Yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. 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 I'd love to hear more how that plays out. Yeah. So, yeah. Yes. Okay. We, we will be praying for you. Absolutely. Brother. Thank you. Um, yeah. I know podcasts can't go on forever, but I just want to charge Gresham Bible Church. Again, this podcast is only for our church um, to be praying for Virgil, praying for his family, praying for Redemption Church. Brother, you're an encouragement to so many, um, mm. to me and to many, um, just even in this moment, hearing what you've shared. Uh, I don't think at the end of your days that you will regret um, the life that you've lived, brother. So living for the long line of heaven mm-hmm. uh, rather than just right now. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice. yeah. thanks to you. You brought me on. Mm-hmm. I only got to work with you for two months, but, but uh, <laughs> it was a good two months. But I, I think... Gresham Bible Church is the healthiest church I've ever been at, even though we've gone through two lead pastors in four years, which mm-hmm. normally be like, what? You're on your third lead pastor. Mm-hmm. But 
it's because of the work you put in some of the, the things you were saying to GBC, you know, encouraging us, you, you've already played that out of, Amen. you gave us solid foundations of, mm-hmm. we preach the gospel every week. We are expositionally going through the word and it, it wasn't about you. And I, I think the way you left GBC is maybe the healthiest I've ever seen mm. someone leave a church, especially one that they planted, mm-hmm. which I know is really hard to do, but our church Amen. was healthy when you left and it was good when Josh came on. It was healthy after Josh left. And in the period before Mike came on, it was like this church was built on, you know, the Bible. Of what, if we have Bible in our name. This is, this is why it works though, because it wasn't about you, Virgil. It wasn't about Josh. It's not about Mike now. Amen. It's about the Holy spirit and what he's doing through us. And yeah, man. So just thank you for starting this off on the right foot for having the right vision. And it makes me excited for what redemption's going to be mm. on their 16th mm-hmm. birthday. You know, mm. um, you, you were still young as GBC, but we're a lot older than you are. At redemption, yeah, yeah. Yep. But we have our driver's license. That's now. Right, we yep. <laughs> but we're, we're seeing those dividends pay off of that patience you're talking about in the long game. So Man, keep doing it, uh, and and yeah, what a testimony! Not just to to GBC, but to your kids and others. Of even though it's a place you love, if God calls you, you got to go. Yeah, and I just think, I mean, that's a lesson that we all need. It's hard to say yes. Some it was hard for you to say yes when you first were called to ministry, right? That's right. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we all can learn that, of like, hey, whatever He's calling us to, that's what we got to do. It doesn't matter how 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 hard it is to rip the band-aid off to do it uh, we can trust that it's the right thing for us so thanks man yeah i i am so grateful to be at gresham bible church and grateful for the church that it is because of of what you've done amen brothers i appreciate your kind words big encouragement to me thank you good we need it oh, yeah, absolutely. yes yes thank you big encouragement to us all right gresham bible church i hope this conversation uh, has been encouraging if this sparks any questions anything you want to talk about feel free to reach out to me and you can do that at mike at gresham and last plug be praying for our brother virgil and his family and redemption church um let's commit to that so anyway uh until next week Love you. Bye.